Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. Okay, today's paper is Relation Extraction with Matrix Factorization and Universal Schemas. It was published in NACL 2013. It was authored by Sebastian Riedel, Lemin Yao, Andrew McCallum, and Benjamin Marlin. The paper focuses on modeling relations between pairs of entities. The relations can be specified based on a predefined schema of a knowledge base, but they can also be specified using surface form predicates. For example, the entity pair Andrew McCallum and the uh, and UMass Amherst may appear in a database table which specifies people's affiliations. This kind of relation between pairs of entities are often predefined by experts in a schema. They are often relations which are deemed important for some applications, but they tend to be incomplete. The relation would only be indicated in the knowledge base for a fraction of the entity pairs which actually have this relationship. So what kind of data are we talking about here? What are some examples of this kind of data set? So data sets like uh, Freebase uh, is, is the one that was used in this paper. So Freebase is what backs Google's knowledge graph, right? Uh, yeah, it's now discontinued, uh, but at some point it was a great resource <laughs> for doing research. Uh, right now I'm using other resources from the medical domain, uh, like the gene ontology and MeSH, um, basically to provide similar information. So uh, essentially you're saying that, th that this paper deals with any kind of data where you have entities in some knowledge base and relationships between these entities. So facts in a knowledge base that you could express as triples. Like you have some source entity, some relation, some target entity, right? Right, yeah. And these are what I'm referring to as like the first type of relations or predefined relations. Another kind of relations is more fuzzy. It's uh, specified in text basically. For, for example, the first sentence of Andrew McCallum's page on Wikipedia reads, Andrew McCallum is a professor and researcher in the computer science department at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Now, this, uh, we're going, for the purpose of this paper, we're going to call uh, this relation, this textual uh, uh, description uh, that, in, that is between Andrew McCallum and University of Massachusetts to be another pattern relation uh, between, or our textual relation between uh, the two entities, Andrew McCallum and University of Massachusetts. So the main question the paper is trying to address is how do we predict missing relations between pairs of entities in the knowledge base? Um, or some relations that may exist between pairs of entities which are not even in the knowledge base. Uh, because you know the knowledge bases don't have all the entities. They, only, they often only contain famous entities. Uh, so people like Brendan O'Connor, who is also an assistant professor at the University of Massachusetts, does not have a Wikipedia page, and we would like to be able to predict this relationship between him and UMass. But if all you have is the knowledge base, how can you predict stuff about entities that aren't in the knowledge base? Right, so that for that we need to also be able to use the textual relationships. And that's where I think this uh, method is very exciting, it enables us to use both kinds of relations. And there are many extensions to it later, uh, which was done later, and we will, hopefully we'll discuss some of them. So if all you have is the facts in the knowledge base, there's a long history of work, uh, like even going back to like prologue kinds of things where you can prove facts based off of facts that you see in the knowledge base, given some rules and rule mining kinds of things. Uh, 
this area has a rich history. What exactly does this paper contribute, and how do they how do they get the textual relations into the same kind of format as what you see in the knowledge base? Right. So they do have a very clever um, way of representing both kinds of relations. So they construct this matrix where every row represents a pair of entities, and every column represents a relation. And the relation again could be a predefined relation in knowledge base or a textual relation we extract from text. And then we fill in this matrix with ones wherever we observe this pair of entity to have this relation. Um, and now most of the most of the cells will be zeros and oftentimes there will be zeros where the relation actually holds and our job is to predict basically fill in the gaps in this uh, in this matrix which is basically um, a continuation or an instantiation of uh, a long line of work on collaborative, collaborative filtering. So you can think of every entity pair as a customer and every relation as a product. And we're trying to guess what other uh, product the user or the customer is going to order or would be interested in based on his uh, previous behavior. So that's interesting. They're taking a collaborative filtering factorization kind of approach. And I think that makes sense in this setting. Because um, if you think about what happens when you add a bunch of textual relations to a formal uh, curated knowledge base, just think of the number of relations that you have in the knowledge base. In Freebase, you have on the order of maybe 1,000 relations, maybe 10,000, um, if you get really big. Um, and rule mining kinds of approaches, like typical uh, knowledge base inference approaches that don't use textual resources, scale uh, often on like some exponent where the thing in the exponent is the number of relations that you have. Oh, okay. And so if now I say, oh, I'm going to take all of these relations that I see in text, and there might be, I don't know, hundreds of thousands or a million different relations that I see in text, uh, the performance of my algorithm is just going to explode. Like, you can't handle this. And so there's, there's also another issue, which is a lot of these textual relations might have similar meanings. They might be at least close paraphrases of each other. Uh, and so you really want evidence from one of these relations to be shared with evidence, for an, with another, uh, evidence from another textual relation. So, so you put them into some kind of similar space. So this kind of factorization or embedding kind of approach makes a whole lot of sense when you start looking at knowledge-based inference as this universal schema style problem. Right. So concretely, the paper discusses three models for predicting whether a particular relation holds between a pair of entities. The first one is referred to as the latent feature model. It computes the dot product between an embedding of the entity pair and, embedding, and an embedding of the relation in question. The second, the second model is referred to as the neighborhood model. Here we learn an association weight between a pair of relations to infer whether a particular relation is true given another relation. So to score our, a relation in the relation in question for a pair of entities, we sum up the association scores um, for all the other relations that are observed for this entity pair. In the third model, it's referred to as the entity model. Uh, here we estimate an embedding for every entity and an embedding for every slot in a relation. So if, uh, if we're talking about a relation called uh, professor at, there will be an embedding for the professor argument of this relation and another embedding for the institution argument of this relation. 
and then we use dot product to compute uh, basically how compatible uh, the embedding of the entity and the embedding of the of that uh, argument in, a, in in the relation. So let's think about the trade-offs in these uh, these different models. Uh, what decisions might lead you to pick one one over the other, or what their characteristics would be? So this latent feature model says I'm going to have an embedding for an entity pair and an embedding for a relation. I'm going to predict something just based on these dot products. What this means is that at test time, I have to have seen the entity pair at training time, right? Otherwise, I won't have an embedding for it, and I can't make a prediction. And so um, this is nice in that if I have seen that entity pair before uh, enough times, I can get a good uh, sense of what this means, and it, it will let me compute similarity across relations pretty well and across entity pairs. Um, but uh, it relies on this sparse data and so you very likely, for most entity pairs, won't have seen them at test time. And so, you, sorry, won't have seen test entity pairs at training time. And so you're going to have a hard time using just this model. In contrast, this entity model says, uh, I'm going to learn an embedding for each entity and for each relation. And I'm going to use just this dot, dot product to figure out which entities, uh, which entity pairs um, participate in which relation. And the issue here is that if you think of something like, uh, a married to or spouse of relation. This is a uh, sparse matrix. It's essentially a permutation matrix uh, in this knowledge-based tensor, which means uh, essentially like that so people could be married more than one time, uh, but for the most part, you will have at most one entry in each, one non-zero entry in each row of this matrix, which means it's a permutation matrix. The problem with permutation matrices is that they have full rank. And so if you try to decompose a full rank matrix into some low rank representation, you're just going to have a hard time. This is linear algebra. You can't do this. And so uh, what this means is that just the entity model by itself is going to have a really hard time uh, recovering sparse relationships that exist between your data. You're not going to be able to predict who's married to who just, just with this entity model. And so if you can combine, I, I guess that these are some of the trade-offs that you get with these three different models. And so being able to combine them in different ways uh, is, I guess, I guess we'll see in the results. But th this should do better if you can use um, signals from all of these different kinds of models. All right. They, uh, they simply add up these scores that you get from each of the different models. And uh, they show that uh, some of the combinations give you improved results. To evaluate these uh, models, the um, did two kinds of evaluation. The first is splitting the facts uh, facts obtained from the free base um, knowledge base into um, a bunch of uh, training facts and test facts, and they also split the tuples, uh, the entity pairs, into train and test pairs. Um, and then in table one, they show the results for. Um, a set of relations that, uh, in the test set. And the results, uh, they, they compared to several previous methods, including uh, distance supervision, which um, is a popular uh, approach for also using textual relations in order to infer. Um, so it's, it's a way of also using textual relations to infer uh, knowledge-based relations, uh, where you go out and see in the text all the pairs, all the entity pairs, in uh, which correspond to uh, a fact in the knowledge base, and manually assume that this uh, is likely to be correct, 
and train a model in order to uh, to predict based on the textual patterns um, whether this knowledge-based relation exists or not. And as Matt uh, expected, the combination of different models give you improved results. So using the uh, entity model only, you get 0.45 uh, mean average precision. And using the, uh, the entity pair model only, you get 61% mean average precision. But combining the two together, you get 66. Um, surprisingly, when you add the third um, model, uh, you get 63, so the, you get uh, degraded performance according to this um, this evaluation metric. But another evaluation metrics uh, metric they use is the weighted mean average precision, where uh, you actually give a different weight for every relation depending on how many facts there are in the test set. The other uh, evaluation they do here is uh, predicting surface patterns. Uh, so the, here they, uh, hold, they hold out uh, some of the textual patterns that they observe and try to predict whether they occur or not based on other relations in the matrix. And uh, because this is something that uh, previous models don't really do, or it's hard to compare to other models that do this, like OpenIE, um, it will the only compare to uh, like the three the four variant variants of their model, um, and again they show that certain combinations give better results, uh, but not not always. So in particular, the F uh, the F model, the one where you embed pairs of entities, uh, seem to give the best performance for the uh, according to the weighted map, and um, and according to the other metric, the map uh, metric, both the this the entity pair model and the combination um, gives the same performance. Yeah, and I guess looking at the results, the story is for me a little bit mixed. It doesn't look like uh, adding the entity model really buys you much at all. Maybe it gives you a slight boost in performance, but the majority of the signal here we're dealing with sparse facts, and so the majority of the signal that you get is by this um, entity pair embedding um, model that, can, that has the capacity, like if I saw a sparse fact at training time, I can make some inference based on that sparse fact at test time. And that's, that's what this model is getting. And you get a slight, slight boost in some cases by also trying to model the entities themselves to say like what relations should this entity generally participate in. But almost all of the performance here is coming just from uh, a model that finds similarity between training relations and test relations. Yeah, and it seems like because they use the textual relations, that that is definitely less sparse uh, if you have enough text in order to find this. Uh, so it would have been interesting to also see uh, what you how how the model performs using only knowledge-based relations or only uh, textual relations. Uh, but yeah. I guess a lot of people have since explored that. Uh, that's essentially the transi. Like th there are a whole lot of uh, knowledge-based embedding methods these days that explore exactly that question. Okay, so we'll look at these uh, some of these papers later. Okay, thanks, Walid, for presenting this paper to us. Next time we'll talk about a paper called "Supervised Learning of Universal Sentence Representations from Natural Language Inference Data," and this is by folks at Facebook AI Research.